Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a couple minutes. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I was reading, and, and this is something I keep up on anyway, but I posted on Facebook today. Uh, I was looking at how, again, how trucking is changing and has changed. And this was about all of the new brands or makes of trucks we could be seeing on the road in the next couple of years. You know, I think back 32 years ago when I started, and, um, you know, we we had some of the same trucks, obviously. Kenworth, Peterbilt, Freightliner, been around a long time. Mack is still around. That's been around a long time. International, they looked a little dicey for a while. Looks like they are making a comeback. And even engines, you know, back then we basically had three choices of engines. Cat Cummins and Detroit. Detroit went out of business uh, when I got started. They came back in the late 80s when Penske bought the company and introduced the Series 60, the first electronic diesel engine. That was back in the late 80s. You could get a Series 60. Uh, I had some. Yeah, and all through the 90s and early 2000s, probably one of the most successful diesel engines ever built, really, the Series 60. Um, and back then, we also had names like Marmon and Autocar and White and GMC. I had several of those trucks, a couple Whites, a couple GMCs. Uh, there were probably a few Dodge even made trucks at one time. Ford, I had a Ford truck, uh, semi. So... Those names are all gone. They're not in the business anymore. And if we look at what might be coming um, very soon, some we've talked about, the Nikola, that'll be a brand new truck on the road, the Tesla, brand new truck on the road. But there are other countries that are going to get involved in this as well. Volkswagen uh, owns both Scania and Man in Europe. And there is a good chance we're going to see those trucks here. Uh, Hyundai builds Class 8 trucks in other parts of the world. They're South Korean. We could be seeing Hyundais here. We already have their trailers. Uh, Hino is talking about building Class 7 and Class 8 trucks here. Two companies um, probably very, very few people have heard of that build Class 8 trucks. Photon and FAW, F-A-W. Those are both Chinese manufacturers. Now, the Chinese have already started building a very large uh, facility in, I believe it's Arizona. Talked about this before, uh, where they're going to be working on their autonomous trucks. So you'll see these two Chinese brands coming to the U.S. as well. 
What a what a crazy world we're living in in trucking right now. Uh, names we've never heard of, and many of these companies are already working on this. This isn't speculation. The, the the plans are in the works. Many of these companies are already in Mexico, and these trucks are already on Mexican streets. I've talked to some people down around the border towns, Laredo, and that actually see some of these. Um, around the border crossings, and it may not be long um, before. And I'm when I say not long, 2020, two years, um, we could be seeing these trucks on American roads. So, big big changes coming in the industry. I, I, I've been saying it, and no matter how many times I say it, I wake up every day, I read the news, and I'm shocked by how much I see. Really uh, tough to stay on top of it all, but stay tuned here on this show and our website and our Facebook page. And um, I, I do a ton of reading. I'll keep you informed on the changes. I have some other things we could certainly um, talk about taxes. We are only, I believe, a couple of weeks away at most from getting some pretty major tax law changes. I've been talking about these. As of today, nothing new. We still have to wait to see what the House and Senate will come up with together. The House passed their bill. The Senate passed their bill. Now we need a combined bill, and hopefully they come up with something the president will sign. The the president is the one pushing for this. As long as they don't gut this bill too, too badly, Um, he'll sign it. We'll have tax law changes. They go into effect. If it passes, let me be clear about that. It's not passed yet. There's a very good chance it will. Those will go into effect on January 18th. That means you need to be doing some serious tax planning. This is a major change. I believe that for owner operators, revenues are going to go way up. Um, So you absolutely need two things. To take advantage of this, you need two things, or, or to not get screwed in this. You need to know your numbers for 2017. You need at least to know them for the whole year. You really should know them every month. But at the very least, you want to get on this right now. You need to know your numbers for the whole year. How much you grossed, how much you may spent in every single category, fixed cost, variable cost, I know this can sound confusing if you don't do accounting, but we can make this really, really simple. Our software does all of this for you. If you don't even want to enter the numbers into the software, we can do that for you. That's the first thing you need, a good set of numbers. If you have a good account and you have a good accounting system, you're already there. If not, get one. Don't wait any longer. It's important every year to do this, but this year... This is the most important year. I've been doing this 32 years now. This will absolutely be the most important year to have your numbers right. We're looking at huge opportunities to make more money in 2018. I'm excited about that. We're looking at huge opportunities to lower our taxes in 2018. What a wonderful Christmas present. Make more money, pay less tax. That doesn't happen very often. This is your year. Don't miss out on this. Get your numbers together. The other thing you need, you need a tax preparer 
that understands trucking because these are the biggest changes we have ever had. If it goes through, let me be clear, I want to keep saying that. If it goes through, looks like it's going to. This will be the biggest tax law change in the history of taxes. Not just my lifetime. Clearly, it's the biggest in my lifetime. The the last time we had anything close to this was 1986, which was my first year in trucking. Second, sort of. Um, That was big back then. This is much, much bigger. This we've never seen, especially business tax law changes like we're about to see. So you need to make sure the tax firm you're working with only does trucking. Because if you're working with the normal tax firm that does everybody, they are going to be overwhelmed with these changes. If you only do trucking, it's fairly easy to be on top of these changes, how they're going to affect things, and what you need to be doing for your clients. We only do trucking. I've been doing taxes for owner-operators and drivers since the early 90s. Um, I have been on top of this bill every time they bring out a new change. I followed the House until they voted on it. I followed the Senate until they voted on it. I've been in doing the calculations so I know what we should be doing for our clients. And as soon as we have the joint bill before the president signs it, I will know exactly what's in it and how it affects owner, operators, and drivers. I don't care about anybody else. I don't care how it affects restaurants, barbershops, landscapers, doctors, lawyers. doesn't matter to me. I want to know how it's going to affect drivers and owner operators, and more important, how we can take advantage of it. Because no matter how much they simplify the rules, there are always going to be business strategies that we can use to take advantage of the new tax laws. That's exactly what we're going to do. So, if you need an accounting system or an accountant, you need a good tax preparer, if you don't have one, call us. Go to the website, letstruck.com. Call us at 855-800-FUEL, and we will make sure that uh, you are one of the first people to take advantage of the new tax law changes that are coming. They're going to be big. I am... I can't remember the last time I was so excited about the trucking industry, honestly. You're going to hear a lot of doom and gloom, all the crying about the ELDs. Forget all that stuff. 2018 could be amazing. We'll be right back. Stick around. We're going to get to your calls right after this break. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website, letstruck.com. We're going to get right to the phones and see what it is you want to talk about today. We're off to Washington. Aaron, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. I got a question or a boggle. You know, you're always pushing these big gear ratios, or I should say short gear ratios. I've got 12 fives. You know, carry a little more weight. I'm a little heavier than most running out west. Okay. And I've got I've got two ninety fours in the rear end, a true thirteen double over, which I know you hate. But oh, no, I, I don't hate their, it. I need to go when I need to go. No, I don't. I don't hate them. Well, you hate them. They, well, I should. Okay, okay. Uh, you're not the biggest fan of them because you you do lose efficiency. So. When you tell a person, and, 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 I, and I did the math here to you know to go to like a two forty seven, a two fifty five, even two sevens, I never hear you mention it or ask them how big their tires are because if they're running a short twenty two versus a tall twenty four, mine when when I'm at when I'm at seventy three, it'll leave a stoplight just okay in in the lowest gear. When I'm up around eighty five and eighty six. It almost doesn't want to leave a stoplight with the gear ratio I'm running. We've been so the reason I don't ask the tire size, and I mention it, I've mentioned it many, many times that there are three factors. Maybe I've missed it. Yeah, there are three factors in determining what the performance we're going to get and the fuel economy. The three factors, and everybody thinks gear ratio is the only thing. That's all you ever hear them talk about. What's the oh no no nobody picks the gears in a tranny. Exactly. So they forget the gear ratio and the transmission, which is critically important, and they do forget the tire size. But honestly, the tire size, especially when I'm on the air, all the time I would have to take to get half the time I ask guys what the tire size is, they don't remember. They know they have a low profile 22.5, but low profile doesn't tell me anything. There are multiple sizes of low profiles. If you tell me you have an 11R, that tells me something because that's a standard size. But once we go to what right. we refer to as low profile, there's all kinds of options. So half the time they can't okay. tell me. If they can tell me, I've got to get out my calculator and start running numbers. And, right, 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 and 90% of the time, the tire won't matter. You know, we're, we're either going to be, you know, okay. maybe a 264, maybe a 273. Even if you tell me the tire size, I'm still going to say 264, 273. And the other factor that's really going to make a much bigger difference, how fast do you want to drive? How much weight do you pull a part of the country? So most of right. the time, the tire isn't going to make a big enough difference. Now, the startability... We did look at that really hard in the beginning. That, that's what we're talking about. The, the term is called startability. And is it, it, will this gear ratio get the truck moving at this weight? There's, there's actually a formula you can use for this. We've worked with the engineers. We've talked about startability. Again, about 90% of the time, not going to matter. We've been doing 264 gears forever, and they work just fine. Wow. Now... Now, we actually have gear ratios coming out of the manufacturers at like 203, 210, really, really high oh, gear you can, ratios. You can, get a, you, can get a, 
222 at Peterbilt right now. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That is the trend. So we're still actually a little behind. I, I'm not quite ready. And certainly on the older trucks, I would never go to those ratios. The older trucks, those ratios are not going to work. 250, probably the lowest or highest gear ratio, lowest number, highest gear ratio we've ever talked about on an old truck, and that's really unusual. 264, though, we've never had a problem with startability. Once in a while, if a guy's super heavy and he's coming out of a really deep dock, you got to ride the clutch to get it going. But it, the the advantages more than make up for it. Okay, I just was curious because you know, I mean, I I figured I did the math. If I if I put um, if I put like two forties in this thing, uh, thirteen, twelve, eleven, and almost ten would be useless. <laughs> well, ten certainly, eleven uh, certainly wouldn't be. Eleventh is your direct gear. That's where we want to run. All right. We want to be indirect. It's our most efficient gear. Now, what you're also finding, finally, because the industry finally gets this and they're actually thinking about fuel economy only because they're being forced to, along with these really high gear ratios, we're seeing lower low gears, which is what we need. We just need one really, really low gear to get us out of the hole. Yeah. If I was ordering this truck again, I'd have bought an 18 speed. I'd have bought an 18 speed, and I probably would have went to a 272. I probably could have got away with that way, but it, it you know, how often do I need the lows? I mean, I'm 86,000 pounds. That's heavy if you're used to the. That's heavy if you're used to the Mississippi, but it's by no means heavy here in the Pacific Northwest. It, exactly. you know, we're 140 all the time. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, they're finally getting that that most operations the 18 speed was a wasted transmission how many people split the lower gears i mean really come on who's actually going to shift through 18 gears every time they have to go through the gears that was the reason i didn't buy the nest because the 18 in my last truck i used like on a quarterly basis the bottom was useless didn't need it yeah even even the 13-speed, really most of the time, the only gear I split was the top gear. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd like I'd like to meet you in Oregon and have you, have oh, no, you I... take a ride with this 579 <laughs> feet. I mean, it's it, the, the, the pack car is a great engine. I love the mileage, but it doesn't have the low-end grunt. Even with the 500, you got to split the top gears. Do you? It falls yeah. on its face. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, you it, have to with the pack. Well, and see, there's. But I got no complaints. I mean, I, I mean, a forty-one day average of nine point two on the five. I got no complaints. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So you know, I, I've done the really extreme heavy haul in the past. When you do split a lot more gears, most of the time, and in, in everywhere in the country, just about till you get into the Rockies, the Pacific Northwest, you can go through all the gears in a thirteen speed split. The last one. That that's really right. really common. Um, so, you know the thirteen. So now what we're seeing are twelve speeds with maybe one overdrive, which I think is absolutely ideal. If I could design my own transmission, it'd be a really low first, just when I need it, it's there, and it would be a twelve or thirteen speed with a single overdrive. Yeah, the gear ratios. I was looking on Eaton's site. 
They've got a 13 direct drive that they quit making in the late 70s. The, the racers are perfect. No, I, mean, here, you, you, I mean, you can drive them direct all day. Yeah, but here's the problem with that. Give me a 13-speed single over, and I can drive in 12th all day. And when I need to go fast, or thing. when I need to go fast and I'm really light, I have another gear. I want a true overdrive. I think it's ideal to have a true overdrive. If you only if you give me a direct drive transmission, and I like to drive fifty seven miles an hour most of the time, well, I'm kind of stuck. I have to gear it to run at fifty seven because that's where I'm going to spend most of my time. If I have to go fast, my RPMs are going to be way up higher than I want them to be. Right. So, so let me spec my truck to get ideal fuel economy at 57 where I like to run, but give me another gear to go 65 or 70 when I want to. Yeah, that's the way I'm set here. I can run between 12 and 13 from from uh, RPM from from 57, 58 miles an hour all the way up to 90. Yeah. See, I, I mean, see how that, long are you going to go that fast? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, right. That's why the so. double overdrive feels kind of wasted when we spec it to run in 11th. But if we had a true single overdrive, we spec it to run in 12th. We have that one extra gear to go 70 or 75. I think it's absolutely ideal. And the, the industry is finally catching up to that idea. Uh, not only have I been doing that for a long time now, um, when I met Bruce, that was one of the things we absolutely agreed on. Bruce Mallinson of Pittsburgh Power had been doing the same thing forever. Single overdrives, gearing them to run indirect. Uh, it, it really makes a ton of sense. Now, obviously, when we get into the extremes, people who do some off-road work or really, really heavy haul or anything out of the norm, then we would make some adjustments to that. There is no one-size-fits-all. So every time I have a conversation like this, I'll get, you know, 99 Facebook comments that, oh, that would never work for me. Okay, good. I, I never said the things I say here on the air will work for everybody. Almost nothing I say on the air works for everybody. Whether it's trucks, tires, fuel mileage, taxes, health, there's no one-size-fits-all. It's just not that easy. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We are off to Texas. Eric, welcome to the program. Hello? Yep, it's your turn. What can I help you with today? Oh, yeah, Kevin. How are you doing today? My name is uh, is Eric. Uh, I had a question about the new tax plan. Uh, will Will I have to go through... To change my LLC to a corporation or a C corp, or just what do you think it stands? LLC. I mean, not LLC, but S corp. Uh, absolutely not a C corp. There's nothing in this tax law change that would make any small business want to be a C corp. Uh, C corps are much more complicated. The rules would would screw small businesses. Um, so we don't want to go there. There's nothing in this tax law. In fact, it's the opposite. We are finally. Other than a C-Corp, all of the other business entities are what are called pass-throughs. So whether it's a sole proprietor, an LLC, a partnership, or an S-Corp, none of those pay any tax. All of the money passes through the company and gets taxed at the personal level to the owners of those businesses. And they all have slightly different rules. That's why we do the LLC or the S-Corp. The one thing that is going to change about that is those those entities are now going to get their own tax rate. So it's kind of strange. They'll still be called pass-throughs. The company itself won't pay any tax. But if you're the owner of one of those, there'll be a new tax rate for the money that passes through. It's, it's t- kind of different. We've never had anything like this before. Now, the number they're throwing around is 25%. So most owner-operators, that part of this tax law change isn't going to change a lot. The the people that will help are S-corporations that have very high revenues. Um, And we won't know how high until we see the new personal um, changes. There could be some people... The way I see this right now, in this one I can't predict because the one big difference between the House and the Senate bill right now, the Senate bill still has seven um, tax brackets. So that's still a little more complicated to figure out. The House bill, I believe, only has three. So depending on what version we get of the personal tax brackets, it's possible, and this is, might be a little bit of a stretch, but it's possible we might even have some people move out of their S-Corp and go back to a sole proprietor. That that could happen depending on how oh. the, the numbers shake out. Those would be those people that, you know, we've always said if you're paying tax on sixty-five, seventy thousand, you should be an S-Corp because you can save a lot of money. At 65000 it's possible you, you would be better off going back to a sole proprietor. If you're over one of those you know, successful owner-operators who are over 100000 or teams, then that could be different. The new S-Corp um, tax bracket or tax rate might actually be a benefit to those people. Those things are still up in the air because until they nail down the tax brackets – and tell us what that pass-through rate is going to be. We can't even really guess at it yet. The good news is... Okay, we, so there's not a... Go ahead. There's, there's not a deadline where... No. 
is there a deadline where they well, gotta? There is. You know, so they can put they can. We we can form an S corp roughly in the first ninety days of of next year. If we if if we, if we look at this and go, wow, every owner operator should be an S corp. We have three months to do it because we we should know this before the end of the year, one way or the other. If you need to go backwards to a sole what proprietor, about, that's actually easier. What about the 2017 tax year? Nothing like changes. We got to file. Not, nothing on that changes. These None of these tax laws will go into effect until January 1st of next year. Okay. Okay. And you guys are still using the same... Um, you guys are still using the same... Uh, Tax preparers you did last year. We are not. I know it's not lost a dollar no we, more. Somebody else. We are not. We're all. We're doing it all in house now. Oh, okay. So it'd be the same prices, or when when the prices will go up on the online. Uh, prices for all of our accounting should be up. I think all of our tax prices um, are staying the same, and I think they should all be posted online. the The real difference is. Um, we ju- we brought it all in house. You know, this is something I did since 1990. We we thought contracting it out made sense, and it just didn't. Um, it wasn't up to our standards of customer service and accuracy, and uh, we're pretty picky. So we had to uh, make the decision to hire people and bring it all in house. We're very happy about that. Okay, so probably like in January, I just click a button and it'll just take me to where I need to. Uh... Yep. Put yeah. out the organizer and everything, and y'all just get it done. Yeah, you're in profit gauges. Yes, I got I got profit gauges. Yep. Uh, you guys did my taxes last year. It wasn't Clifton Austin Island; it was somewhere else. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we it, you'll in profit gauges at the end of the year. Close out the year. Click on the button. We'll take it from there. Okay. All right. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks. You're welcome. Good talking to you. Let's head off to. California. Al, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. I've got an oil sample there. Get your opinion on it. You do have an oil sample, and it looks like we are seeing some odd stuff here. Let's figure out what's going on. We have no fuel dilution, no soot. Viscosity for a 1540 is okay. A little high. Um, Base has dropped way down. Oxidation has gone up, but nothing else. Oh, wait a minute. Make sure I'm looking at these in the right order. Sometimes they do them. Okay, number two is the newest. Um, yeah, the number two, and I only got about 25,000 miles on that oil. Okay. Their viscosity or uh, silicon last time on the September sample was 21. That's really high. Did we did was did we ever figure out a reason why? Yeah, yeah, that was because uh, I had I was uh, uh, I guess uh, finding out how to how to change the interval on the feed filter. Got it. Okay. You know? Well, good because now it's down that's to four. And then I'm in a yeah. That that's that's a good trend. We'd like to see it under ten. Fourteen doesn't worry me, and I love the fact that it came way down. So no big deal there. Wear metals look really good. Um, the little bit of wear metals we have were because the silicon was a little high, but that's fixing itself. Our biggest issue is the base and the oxidation. Um, does this engine burn a lot of oil? 
no, I'm getting it anywhere between, it varies maybe as low as 9 up to about 13000 sometimes for a gallon. Okay. Um, and to give you an info, I've, I've had the, the, the tune and the and the emission tune, ECM tune, and I've got Dorothy on there. I'm the one that, remember a while back I called and I spoke with you and then later with John? Yeah. On the, I was consuming more uh, DEF fluid. That's right. Than after the tune and Dorothy. But I went back, and this was in... Um, uh, a couple of months ago, and, and so they retuned it, and boy, did it change. I went from 130 miles a gallon up to about 700 miles per gallon on the DEF. <laughs> That's what we expect to happen. So they got it right this time. Um, here's the thing yeah. on on the base. I, there, I've read a ton of reports on this. These new oils, the, the new API classifications of oils, the CK4, the FA4s, those... For some reason, and the engineers explained it in engineer speak, so I'm not even going to try to interpret it. They are dropping the base on these oils really quickly, but it's not causing any problems. So the labs are either going to have to figure this out and adjust their numbers. Nobody really knows what we're doing with this yet, but I see it across the board. I see the base dropping way faster than it ever used to. They're saying the base isn't quite as important as it used to be for a couple of reasons. Uh, You actually, you know, Rotella, I'd leave it in there. It seems to hold up just as good as anything else does. Um, One of the things you could do is buy at least, you have two full flow filters, Yes, I've got the OPS and then the regular the, factory one. The two, okay. So, oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, no, one. Well, one, one full, you know, the one OEM and then the OPS. Okay. So what you could do is instead of putting on the, the standard full flow, Luberfiner makes a filter that actually has base in it. And they're really not that expensive, and that will help keep your base up where it needs to be. Because other than the base, there would be no reason to change this oil. So let me take a break. I'll come right back. I'll I'll make sure that's uh, clear and that helps. We'll be right back after this. Stick around. Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. I was talking with Al in California about an oil sample. So, Al, the the sample looks really good. Um, It's getting better. 
I wouldn't change this oil, but the next time I change the filter, I'd spin on one of those lube refiners with some base in it, and you'll be fine. Oh, okay. Now, is that uh, lube refiner, does the regular shops carry that, or is that an online filter I have to purchase? You know, I don't know. I, I, I know a lot of people that use them, but I haven't asked um, where they were getting them. So... I guess I, you know, start asking where you get your filters and see if they have them or if they can get them in. Um, I, I would think they're pretty common. They've been out on the market about two years now, so I would think they're not that hard to find. Oh, okay. In fact, I would think that because we're having this issue with base, they're probably be going to become more popular. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. What about you said the oxidation is kind of high. It's- uh, sometimes that just that come from? It, it either comes from the oil being in the engine a very long time so sometimes we see that with extended drains or it comes from excessive blow by around the rings so that's why i asked about oil consumption usually if we have blow by getting into the crankcase we also have oil being burned but not always so it, it's not enough that i yeah. would worry about it or do anything um, if it continues to get worse, we could do a crankcase pressure test and see if we're getting a lot of blow-by. Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, all right. Well, so far from when I, you know, have it idle, I don't smell, I don't see any, you know, smoke coming out of that breather tube or anything. It, it yeah. runs really great other than that's the only thing. I only Now that I've got all the, it took about three times to get the engine D-rate problems taken care of over there with Pittsburgh Power. But uh, other than that, now the truck is great. Good, good. Yeah, I, you know, I yeah, haven't seen no, a report I, on this yet, but I'm noticing almost every engine that is showing low base is showing high oxidation. So I have a feeling there's something there that goes hand in hand, but it's not hurting anything. Your oil's still very serviceable. Get some base in there, you'll be fine. Okay, we will do. I, I got a golf player question. You sure. don't mind? Sure, go ahead. Um, my sister-in-law, about six months ago, she asked me about high-fat, low-carb. I gave her the book, Eat Fat, Get Thin, and, and so I kind of coached it. So she went off on her own, but then about uh, a month and a half ago, two months ago, they ended up taking her whole, whole gallbladder out because she had some problems. She hasn't given me any details. She doesn't want to tell me, you know, any details. And I was just, they, they told her that when they took it out, that all oh, that it was very yellow, it had, you know, was way too much fat. And that it's a, also a hereditary thing. Her mom had it and aunts and stuff. They took them out before. So uh, just that kind of blows my mind. Why, <laughs> why would that happen, you know? Um, it, I, my guess is that there was very little really wrong with her gallbladder. They just, the medical system takes the easy way out, for one, and it's very profitable. Taking out gallbladders is very profitable. Um, It's a shame that that's what our medical system has come down to. The only time I recommend actually having it taken out is in a true medical emergency. Like they're telling you you're going to die. We got to get you into emergency and take it out. Then it's too late. You know, we've waited too long. The problem got too bad. Most of the time when they take it out, it's easily fixed with diet. And, you know, to say it's fatty, well... It's kind of like saying you have fatty liver. That doesn't happen because of a high-fat diet. It be, happens because of a high-fructose diet. Too much fructose right, right, in the right, diet yeah. is what causes a lot of fat on our internal organs. 
So, unfortunately, I, I guarantee they didn't tell her that she needs to take bile salts or change anything else, and, and she does. She, if she doesn't work with a, a naturopath, a functional medicine doc, an NTP, somebody, she will have not only digestive issues for the rest of her life, she will also start to see things like cracked heels dry skin, brittle nails, dry hair, because she's not going to die, and and a host of other things, because the four most important vitamins we have, A, D, E, and K, are all fat-soluble. If you can't digest the fat you're eating, you won't absorb those vitamins, and all kinds of things go wrong. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, I did ask her about that I go, so now you're on you're on uh, some meds for the rest of your life? And they, some, she told me, no, no. they're not. No, they doesn't have to take anything. They, they you don't. Know, she, you know, that's crazy. They don't do a thing. Yeah, wow. Because uh, it was some kind of emergency. She did, she was in major pain, and then she had to go. But, like I said, she's kind of reluctant to give me some details on it. I mean, she must be, like, you know, so personal, I guess, to her. Yeah. But from what I've gotten from other sources. But, yeah, she had some major pain, and then she went in, and that's when they checked it out. Yeah, they uh, they do. That's their default. I I would highly recommend she works with somebody on the natural side. It can even be an MD if they're a functional medicine doctor. Functional medicine doctors are full MDs. They go through every, every bit of training any other doctor goes through, but they believe that the body can heal itself and they, they work through that channel first. But if you still need true medical intervention, they can do it. I, I'm a big believer in working with a functional medicine doctor and an NTP. And for some people, even a health coach. And I know that seems a little complicated, but we have some people who are really, really sick and they need that much in the beginning. The functional medicine doctor handles all the testing, all the heavy lifting. There, there could be some drugs he needs to put them on for a short time or get people off drugs, and they can do that. The NTP is there to manage the diet. The health coach is there to manage the habits. I, I think that for some people is the combination that's really needed. Let's go to... We are off to Illinois this time. Daniel, welcome to the program. And how are you doing, sir? Good. What can I help you with? Well, I have a couple of uh, test questions. And uh, I'm kind of It's uh, my first time getting through taxes being an actual owner-operator. Uh, last year, I was paid on 1099. Okay. But... Um, it just, I don't know exactly uh, <clears throat> how to <clears throat> to read the tax report that I got. Uh, when it says the number before depreciation, how exactly does that play in? And what income, like far as the end of the year, uh, let's see. Let's see, you're looking at mine right now. It says I've made... Uh, hundred and eighty-four thousand gross. Okay. Uh, just, at what point should I start looking at doing uh, things S corp or LLC? Well, the gross tells us nothing at all. Um, we've got to get down to a true net to know, and a true net means 
all of the normal expenses that we know are deductible, fuel, maintenance, tolls, scales, pencils, all, all that stuff to run your business. The two big numbers we also have to make sure we get in there are per diem, which isn't a real number, but we get to put it in there, and depreciation. So without knowing that true net, that I, I can't tell you. We, we've got to get to that number to know if we need to be an escort. Okay. And how exactly do I figure in depreciation? Um, we would have to take, when did you buy the truck? Uh, I bought it February 14th of this year. And how much did you pay for it? One twenty nine five. Okay, and this is a true purchase. Your name's on the title. It's not some sort of a lease. No, sir. I, I do not believe in lease purchases. Okay. So, well, not even a lease purchase. Because certainly a lease purchase we want to stay away from. But I can also walk into any dealer in the country and I could lease a truck. And it wouldn't be a lease purchase, and it wouldn't be a rental. It, it would be a lease contract, just like a lot of people lease cars. I'm not a big fan of them, but okay. we, we can do that. You could have walked in the exact same truck you bought. You could have actually leased it. I, I don't recommend it, but I need to ask because it changes everything on taxes. So without even knowing any of those other things I ask for, I can tell you right now, you certainly um, don't need to worry about taxes this year because if, if you wanted to, you could write off the entire 129000 this year. So whatever you end up netting, if you want to, you can just wipe it all out with depreciation and show that the business actually made zero. So you're not going to owe any business taxes at all this year. We can also, once you have that tax... How would I do that if I multi-year? Well, what, what we need to do is get your tax return done really early in the year. Like as soon as we have some numbers, the year's closed out, start working on it. Because then we can use those numbers to predict whether or not you should form an S-Corp this, next year. And we only have a limited amount of time to do that. So as soon as the year's over, get your numbers all caught up. And if you don't have a good tax prepare, call us. We'll look at it and recommend whether you should form that corporation or not. That will also change again based on these new tax laws, which we are all over those. Thanks for joining us. I've got to get out of here. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. And always master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody, we've 